So we have some of the most interesting, unique, and amazing meditations, I think, in the world. I mean, we have past life regression meditations, guided hypnosis meditations, Akashic record meditations, as well as healing meditations. Our meditations are pretty cool. And they're not just about stillness of mind and peace and sit there, hmm. I mean, we have those too, don't get me wrong, but these are about meditations that are going to shift and change and you're gonna walk out of there feeling lighter, freer, healed, and even getting guidance and insight. So come down, experience one of our meditations. They're pretty badass. Hi, this is Christina Dam, and this is Liberate the Podcast, where we educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. Hi, I'm Katherine Amon. I'm Greg Lawrence. And um, we're part of the Liberate family, we're very happy to say. I do tantric dating workshops here for over a year and a half monthly. I recently did a talk here in the Guided Psychedelic Journey, and of course, I support my wife, Catherine, a.k.a. Catherine Almond Lawrence, in her tantric dating workshops. That's right, and we have some uh, work that we're doing coming up together, so we wanted to get together and talk about relationships, uh, uh, something that we're teaching about relationships, uh, how that relates to Tantra, all kinds of stuff like that. All personal development ties into all of that, both as an individual and as a couple, how people work individually and as couples to help improve. Uh, advance themselves personally and spiritually. So we, um, I've been studying Tantra for actually uh, over 30 years and I, um, in and out, so I was studying it and I had lived in a Tantra ashram in India and um, for a year got deeply immersed in that and um, was out dating about six years ago here in Los Angeles trying to incorporate what I learned living in the Tantra ashram with the conventional Western dating scene which was very difficult to figure out and navigate and that's how I wrote my book tantric dating but I one of the things I did to try to find a partner was attend some local tantra groups and that's where Greg and I met that's right but we were with other people <laughs> I thought he was married and I thought this married guy was checking me out and and hitting on me, and I really didn't appreciate that at all. Totally inappropriate. <laughs> Mary, there was someone who I partnered with at some workshops, and Catherine saw me there with her a few times, just assumed that was my wife. And, you know, I, as a single ladies out there will we'll, uh, attest to, sometimes married guys hit on you, and you're like, please, I'm not that kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was insulting, actually. But anyway, um, found out he wasn't married, and we, um, we call it love at first touch. Yeah, absolutely. And we were together for two years before we got married, just about four and a half months ago. Yep, and it's been great. And so we, um, all that uh, personal growth work we did and a lot of stuff we learned in Tantra, we attribute to our great relationship. Oh my God, I got so beat up on the path to this relationship. And just prior to this relationship, I was in a very bad relationship. I realized I was there. I later realized I was there to learn some very important and some very hard lessons. So before Catherine and I got together, I had decided what I wanted, what I didn't want, what I needed, what I didn't need, what I deserved, what I didn't deserve, and brought that into the relationship. And we have worked out a way of living and being and loving and working together that's worked very well for us. And we want to share that with other people. So one of the things is, um, actually, Greg taught me a lot about this. Usually they uh, people assume this is the woman's 
uh, contribution to the relationship, which uh, I mean, I think I contribute some, but Greg really taught me, has been always been very adamant about we talk through everything. Everything we talk it through and until it's done. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah, I think the important part is actually the part that you brought into it. You know, I wanted to make sure and talk things out so there was no resentment in the air. Because to me, resentment is just poisonous to relationships. Um, we know that in our work with couples and with individuals. But the important part that you added was we're going to talk about it until it's done. Because a lot of people talk about things and they think it's done, but they're both just both sort of still angry. They're both holding things. and It doesn't go away. It pops up again. So this concept of talking about things until it's absolutely done, until there's no charge on it, is, I think, the most important part. So we have an agreement about that. And people think that they think it's done. But we have an agreement that, you know, six months later, a year later, and go, you know, I still have a little bit of stuff on that thing. Could we talk about that a little bit? Yes, we have an agreement. Because, like Greg said, I've been in previous relationships where that stuff's just simmering under the surface and you get into a little snafu with the other person and it just explodes. Oh yeah. And then there was that time you said that. And it's like, we try to keep that totally clean and clear by clearing those things as they happen. And then if they're not done, I think as good, um, personal growth and spiritual people, most of the people listening to this talk will, uh, listening to this podcast will think, well, I, I talk things through, I know I used to think I did, but now I see that there's more that can be done to make sure that if we're going to live in the present moment, we've cleaned up the past moment. So it's continually checking in with myself and seeing, am I still a little bit upset about something you said this morning? Or am I still a little upset about that thing from a couple weeks ago or whatever? And just making sure. You said living in the present moment, and that's really the crux of that whole thing. So... Um, if one of us has an off mood and the other one says, hey, what's going on? I'm like, ah, just my mood's a little bit off. The other person is not worrying that they're still upset about yeah, that thing that happened really this morning important. or yesterday or last month or last year and spinning off into the past and getting worried. Yep. We're able to be here and hold space for that person because maybe they don't feel so good. And on the same token, if one of us is off, it's okay that we're off for a while. This person doesn't have to be upset worrying about what's going on with us so they can hold space so that when we come back, we wake up after falling asleep, being in an off mood, the other person's still okay. So that's one thing we teach couples. Uh, I know I'm, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist also. And then we have these workshops coming up where one of the things we teach is how do you talk things through until they're real, the water's really clear. If it's not, that's okay. But you do have an agreement as a couple that you can come back. This comes from what we would say the throat chakra, which is... Uh, having a, a clear channel through the throat, throat chakra because um, many people, you know, like we carry tension in here and we, we uh, I all often ask people, where is the tension? I'll go, it's right in here. And that is often from things we haven't said, haven't expressed, trying to keep the peace. Uh, when I studied uh, John Gottman, who's one of the biggest relationship gurus, he said that, um, um, People that often that we often assume that people that don't fight are having better relationships. Not necessarily. Sometimes people need to fight to clear the air and just say what needs to be said. I mean, there's ways to fight that are more fair than others, but um, 
just not talking about stuff, not discussing stuff, pretending like you're not upset is not necessarily the sign of a good relationship or just being chill and letting it all pass when it hasn't, when you still have a little bit of charge on it. I always tell clients in my coaching work that emotions have a beginning, middle and end. And part of the reason for being people being mentally unhealthy and personally stunted or stuck is because we have a lot of those emotions caught right in the middle, stuffed away somewhere. We haven't acknowledged them. We haven't expressed them. We take anger and we have sadness. We take sadness. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to fight. We don't want to feel it. Right. So we stuff it away somewhere. And it's okay when it's up to here. When it starts getting to here, it's a little too much. And then when it's up here, I've had it. <laughs> I've had it up to here. That's why it's also important because you were talking about the fact that we talk things out, but we also teach people a specific framework. Yeah. There are some do's and don'ts involved in that talking things out. Because there are mistakes that you can make even when you're just talking things out. They can just make things worse or prolong them. Like thinking I'm always right or something like that, you mean? Um, like reading, like attributing some motive to someone. You did that because. It's not a fair statement. Yeah. I can't possibly know why someone did something. Yeah. And that is an attribution of motive. It's mind reading and you can't do that. Um, name calling. You know, teasing. Um yeah, that's one thing that's like a lot of people think it's teasing and it's really very barbed. Yeah, teasing is like tickling. It can go too far. Yeah, like your dad, you told me your dad was like that. Yes, just exactly. really like, yeah. well, I was just joking. My dad used to do that too. Well, I was just joking. It's like, um, then how come I feel beat up? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Of course, you inherit those things. So I learned to be very good at teasing people in such a way that they were flattered and liked the attention. But I think sometimes they probably felt a little prick to it. It didn't feel yeah. good. I had to learn to stop doing that. And that's another thing that just doesn't really belong in relationships because it can go over the line. I'm glad you stopped that before we met. I am too. <laughs> another thing we really teach, um, so we have the part about um, uh, communication, really talking about till it's done. And then I have a video called Really Until It's Done really done. And another thing we teach since we both come from the tantric background is being fully embodied. And uh, most people in this culture assume they're in their bodies, but they're not really. And I thought, always thought I was in my body. I was a dancer. I did yoga and everything. But then when I was living in the ashram, I realized those are all things I'm doing to my body. I'm not actually, my consciousness isn't in my body. So I have a tantric embodiment induction where we, um, it's kind of like a, a deep, meditation where we go down in and we really feel what it's like to be inside our bodies. Some people for the first time, some people are aware of that, but when we're bodies being with our beloved, with another person being body to body, we're not just mentally experiencing them, but we're actually, there's more of a, a frequency connection happening. And then we can really feel who we're comfortable with, how we're comfortable with what's going on in the space. Uh, and I and say sex that. is a lot better. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> as a little footnote, as a major say, footnote. I wouldn't say that it's impossible to be in the present moment if you're not in your body, but it's much easier to be in the present moment when you are in your body. Yeah, and tell what's actually going on instead of what you think, what your fear is, thinks is going on or your mind thinks is going on, but actually being present, bringing that animal awareness, bringing that uh, emotional awareness to your beloved, to your present situation, and 
then we talk in some later workshops about how to bring that kind of awareness into, into your sex life too. But in the G-rated version, it's just a really a way to be present, conscious, and attentive. Yeah, being in the present moment is, the, is really the basis of all that. And that is, if you want to go back to the chakra model, then you're in your first and second chakras, and you're, you're building trust with the other person. You're building a sense of rootedness and connection that's going to uh, inform every aspect of your relationship. So if you get the throat cleared, if you get these lower chakra levels cleared, this is a lot what's not happening in a lot of people's relationships that aren't working. I know I was um, married to someone for four years and realized I don't even trust him. I don't trust him. And no, we've been married two years, but a previous one. And um, so that, that basic level of trust hadn't even been established. So that's going to affect people. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I was counseling a couple that had been married for 20 years in my practice. And they, um, well, they say it takes a long time to build trust and an instant to break. So they had broken their trust and they're still working at, at 20 years of trying to establish trust. So if we can date, if we can... Uh, date from a place of trying to establish trust, if we can be in our relationships, always honoring that sense of trust and rootedness, that's really important. Yeah, that sense of trust, that sense of safety um, informs the work you do as a therapist, that I do as a coach, and that we both do with individuals and couples. Do you feel safe, secure um, now? Do you feel safe and secure with another person? Do you feel safe and secure in an intimate relationship? Yeah. Because like we always say, Things are going to come up in an intimate relationship that don't come up in any other situation in your life. People can do a lot of work on themselves, and suddenly they're in a relationship. It's like, where is this stuff coming from? There are things that only come up when you get into a close, intimate relationship with somebody. Yeah, there's a, a quote that I like to use from The Course in Miracles, which is that love brings up everything unlike itself. So unlike the romantic fantasy... In the psychological and spiritual world, we know that when we love someone, that's gonna the frequency of love is so high that everything that's not love starts appearing. So crabbiness or um, old patterns from the past, or gee, you're acting like my father right now. Any unfinished business I have, any unfinished psychological business, any sort of jealousies. Um, I don't think jealousy is always bad, by the way. But um, uh, unhealthy jealousies, um, any kind of issues that we still have to work on as a person are going to come up in the presence of our beloved. And that can be very uh, disorienting for people if they don't understand that that's what's going on. Yeah. You mentioned unfinished business. You know, every relationship that you've been in and every misunderstanding that was in that relationship or the the negative patterns in those relationships is going to show up in another relationship. Yeah. But um, you know this very well. Often that's because someone is repeating a pattern. There's an unconscious behavior there that you're causing you to put out a certain vibration that you're calling back. Right. Um, that's why I think the work that you do around helping people to approach the process of finding love as a loving person, because you have to be a loving person in order to attract love. Yeah. So spot on. Yeah, so this is something that we teach in both our, that's why our workshops are uh, all available for singles and couples, because the work is the same. It's like you want to increase your own frequency to become a more loving person, 
And then you bring that to whoever you meet. You bring that to your romantic relationships. You bring that to your friendships. You bring that just with your own self. It's the same thing. And as Greg was saying in my um, singles workshops, we work on bringing my own vibration higher, uh, my own uh, bringing it yeah higher, but also more loving so that I can, uh, my frequency will attract a more loving person. I realized before I met Greg that I, I had to have one of those revelation moments that's not too pleasant, but thank God they happened because I had to realize, you know, all the guys I'm attracting are half loving. What's the common denominator here? Me, I'm a half loving person. And I didn't know that because I had friends and, you know, I was family and I had a cat and just like a normal loving person, I thought, but I had to realize by who I was attracting that I had work to do. I was really, as a single person, I was very judgmental. And um, I didn't think I was because I was spiritual and everything, but I had to realize I'm very judgmental on stupid things, like what people look like, their shoes, you know, their activities, whatever. And I realized this, being unloving in this way was why I was not attracting love. And that's true of myself. And it's true of everyone, I believe, whether we're in relationship or not. So if my relationship is that if I'm in a relationship, and it's not very loving, what am I, what am I putting out that I'm not getting love back? And if I'm single, and I'm not finding somebody, what am I putting out that I'm not getting back? So I really always feel as a spiritual person is always like, what's my side of the street? How do I need to clean up my own side of the street? So uh, we work on that in the, uh, like I said, it's a, a um, to attract more love in our life, whether it's in relationship or as a single person trying to attract a relationship. It's the same issue, I believe. You know, one of the things that I absolutely treasure about our relationship is our dedication to personal and spiritual development, yeah. both individually and as a couple. And if I bring something to you, I say, hey, this happened, I'm feeling kind of funny about it, I felt a little upset at the time, you'll always stop and think, what is my part in this? Yeah. Even if you don't have a part in it, even if it's my <laughs> stuff. But I like that we both take the time to do that, that that's an environment that we've created. And I like the fact that we're teaching people how to do that same thing, how to create that same kind of relationship, how to create that soulmate connection. Yeah. And keeping everything clear like this really um, uh, keeps the sexual energy flowing freely. Because a lot of times uh, people, people, you know, in the conventional world, they think that, um, well, you know, you hear all these jokes about, and everyone just assumes it's common knowledge that, uh, well, in your relationship for a long time, the sex starts going downhill, or you're an older person, the sex starts going downhill. And 20% of relationship, 20% of married people, I don't know where they get these statistics because nobody's ever asked me, but anyway, 20% of um, married people are supposed to have sex once a month or less. 10% are supposed to not be, have sex anymore at all. They're more like um, brother and sister relationships. And that can be true. But I, uh, Greg and I both believe that that's because people aren't clearing. They're not staying clear in their throat chakras. They're not staying clear in their lower chakras. They're not staying alive. They're not staying vibrant. They're not um, keeping the energy clear with talking about stuff and staying on purpose, spending time together, and connecting sexually. And if you do that, 
sex can become better and better and better and better. And this is not known at all in the conventional world. This was known in the East, in Tantra, and in the Taoist traditions was that sex was a lifelong endeavor. You could learn the uh, arts of love so that lovemaking in later years was even better than when you were younger. But this isn't in the conventional Western framework at all. So part of what we're teaching in, in our Tantra workshops is that your sex life should be something that you nurture and grow and um, uh, keep alive so that uh, it gets better and better. What was that joke you told me about the 100-year-old person? Oh, God. I saw someone, <laughs> someone was talking about seeing a 100-year-old woman being... It wasn't a joke. It was real, it was right? It was a joke. Yeah, there's an actual interview. Someone was talking about this interview they saw, and they said this 100-year-old woman was being interviewed. And the reporter asked, at what age do you lose your sexual desire? And she said, you're going to have to ask somebody older than me. <laughs> I love that. I look forward to that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what you were saying is absolutely true. There is no such thing as a honeymoon period. So not just your sexual relationship, your personal your relationship between the two of you, if kept clear, and if you have some agreements in place, on how we are going to communicate and how we are going to interact as a couple, then there's no such thing as a honeymoon period. That is a myth. It's not true that people start tiring of each other if they love each other. And it's not true that things get worse as time goes on. We've been together almost two and a half years now, and it's every bit as good and even better in a lot of ways than when we first got together. That doesn't so, take a lot of effort. It takes avoiding some mistakes, some common mistakes that people make. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of effort. People don't work on their relationships as hard as they work in their jobs in many instances. Mm -hmm. You know, that's true. Uh, a lot of clients I work with, when you ask them something that's going on, a lot of times it's something like, well, I get very impatient with my husband, wife, spouse, significant partner, significant other. Okay, do you do that with your boss? No, I don't. All right, then you have given yourself permission to be unkind to this person. Right. I know in previous relationships that would come up. Yeah. I just had a guy tell me the other day that he, um, he and his wife don't have a sex anymore because he's not attracted to her because she put some weight on. And Greg and I were both like, that's not why. That's not why. There's something else there. There's something else there. They're not talking or he's not really in touch with his own sexuality. He's not, um, he's not, they're not sitting and feeling each other in, in embodied. He's just looking with his eyes because in the Tantra world, we can often feel and see the attractiveness of everyone. That doesn't mean we're going to be with everyone. But part of what we learn and practice is everyone is a very attractive being. Once you sit down and be with them and get to know them, we do exercises. We did these at the ashram, and I do them a little bit in, in our, my workshops, our workshops, but mine and ours, where we actually sit and look into the soul. You know, the eyes are the... What do they say that? Eyes are the windows to the soul. Yeah. The eyes are the windows to the soul. So we sit and really look in the other person's eyes. And, you know, you cannot help but fall in love with someone if you really connect with their soul. That doesn't mean it's going to be your partner. It doesn't mean you're going to go home with them. It may or may not. It's really irrelevant from that moment of really connecting. So if you really have that moment of connecting with someone, love is going to be there. And I think we need more love on the planet. So we strive to uh, teach people how to be more loving, strive to become more loving myself, share more love in our relationship. And yeah, when we walk into some place where there are a lot of people, we're going to be doing some kind of work, like some sort of 
a retreat or workshop or something, we know that pretty soon we're going to be in love with people in that room. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We went and did a weekend workshop out in, in uh, Joshua Tree, and we walked in and we go, hmm. Well, it won't be too long before we're in love with everyone. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a tough life being in love with everybody. But <laughs> Well, that's what, uh, that was the biggest thing I took away from your book, Tantra Dating. When we started, when we got together, I got your book and read it. And it just taught me that, you know, like you say, um, especially in, say, the progressive or conscious community, we pride ourselves on not being prejudiced. You know, people of different races and colors and ethnicities religious views and so forth. But then when we get into personal situations, like uh, we're dating, we become super prejudiced. All of a sudden, everything visual about that person, every flaw they have is up for grabs. We're trying to swipe left or swipe right and disqualify this person. And I realized that in my personal life, I'm doing that sometimes. So, you know, when I meet a person, I'm not trying to find what's good about them. Well, I should say I met because that's what I do now. At the time, I realized there were times where I'm just trying to get past this person or just trying to get this conversation over with. Instead of enjoying the interaction that I'm having with this mm. other most uh, most likely fascinating human being mm. who's got a story far different from my own that I'd like to hear about. Yeah. This is another thing where the tantric worldview is very different from the conventional worldview. Because in the conventional worldview, uh, to be friends with someone is very different than being wrong. It's the opposite end of being romantically or sexually involved with them so uh you'll hear things about people don't want to be in the friend zone oh he put me in the friend zone she she was she put him in the friend zone and that's supposed to be a negative thing and when i lived in the tantra ashram uh, my spiritual teacher osho says that friendship is higher than love and um so we would be there and men and women women and women men and men would become friends first and then see if a sexual friendship was possible what's the statistic from john gottman John Gottman says, who again is the big guru on relationships, he said that uh, 70% of happily married couples or happily married type couples say that the friendship is the most important quality in why their relationship is successful. And that does not fit in any respect from what, how we go into the swiping dating culture. We're not looking for friends. We're looking for someone who looks like a fashion model or looks like a movie star. That's the swipe left or right criteria. Not, could I be friends with this person? Because that's the friend zone and that's negative. So we're actually looking for something that's not going to work for a uh, relationship. And people don't realize this. I didn't realize it until I started putting it all together and wrote my book. And then I was shocked because... Um, uh, we think that those things are antithetical, that they don't go together. And in fact, Greg and I are BFFs, and you would like to have our sex life. It's fantastic. So <laughs> it's possible to be great friends and lovers and to have what I call a sexual friendship. And that is a, um, I'd like to introduce that concept of having a sexual, fr you're looking for your best friend who you also have a sexual friendship with versus, uh, um, these kind of romantic relationships where you um, are, it's a very um, dramatic and uh, hurts a lot and is uh, considered romantic, but it's not, there's no basis of friendship in it. In fact, John Gottman in his relationship theory, uh, when couples are in trouble, when they come in for counseling because they're in trouble, the first thing they work on is trying to help build 
or repair the, re- the friendship because successful relationships are built on friendship. So you see, we go out as single people not looking for friendship when friendship is the thing that will build that successful relationship. So Greg and I have worked on building our friendship and we, this is another thing we teach is build that friendship. Yes, we have a a great attraction and that's very valuable to us, but day to day um, we are enjoying that and we're also enjoying our great friendship. And that is the part that you can really work on because friendship can it's not the opposite of intimacy in the slightest. I know some people teach that, but that is not our experience. No, not at all. It takes a great deal of comfort to be so, uh, a great deal of work to be so comfortable with someone that you are their best friend and you are with them in the most, in your most vulnerable moments and very comfortable doing so. And, you know, we both have outside interests and friends, but there are some relationships where people have to go outside the relationship for any friendship at all. You know, it's almost like going outside the relationship for sex. You know, how can you be together with someone living in the same place and not be the best of friends? Yeah. Well, I never was before, so I really see that it's the, it is one of the um, deep keys of a relationship that is what we all dream of. So we are uh, we did a, a all day workshop uh, called the Science Tantra, the Science of Creating Your Soulmate, and that's going to be coming up again a couple times this year. It sold out. It was quite quite well attended, and that title, the Science of Creating Your Soulmate is um, there's a quote from Osho. I, I, I don't know it exactly, but it's something about that. And what I loved about that when I first heard it was that there's something you can do to create a soulmate. It's not some magical thing that descends on you. It's not some, I see him across the crowded room and we live happily ever after. That certainly didn't happen with us. <laughs> like that married guy is not my soulmate. <laughs> and, um, So there's something that you can do. So in our workshop, we teach what are the things that you can do to create a soulmate relationship, either as a single person so that you can attract a soulmate or as a married person so you can take your relationship as it is with all its warts and turn it into a soulmate relationship. I believe if you are together, there's a reason you're supposed to be together or you'd be apart. So you may be breaking up in the future. But today... There's things you can do to create a soulmate relationship. And those are some of the things we've touched on in this brief conversation, which is building more of a friendship, becoming more fully embodied, uh, starting to speak truth, starting to speak all the truth, having agreements in your relationship about speaking the truth and about um, being able to, to talk about something. Even if the other person's tired of hearing about it, why aren't you done with that yet? We have an agreement we can still talk about it. Those conversations are tough sometimes. They are. It doesn't, um, I certainly don't want to make it sound like it's something that's always easy. Sometimes they're tough conversations, but that's why we have an agreement, because it's very easy to let something slide and not talk about it, because it's uncomfortable. But it's going to come back and bite you if you don't do that. Yeah, and then there's that moment, and it's like maybe you're crying, it's so difficult, and then there's that moment when, ah, it breaks through and there's a release, and you're like, oh, we finally got to the crux of what that was. Then the energy's flowing again. Then the sexual energy's flowing again. Then the love is flowing again. There was just a log jam in the way. And when you clear those, there's something metaphysical that happens. It's just oh, the release happens in the space. And you're like, oh, and then it's all 
then uh, then you can breathe again. How, well, how would you say that? It's just I would say that there is a process. You said clearing. Yeah. Clearing. There's a process of clearing because that state when you're really close and you feel really close to someone, you feel really loving, and that person's touching your soul. That's your default state. People are very invested in their story, so they think that that person did that and upset me, or this relationship is like that because this person is that way, or this thing happened. When um, a lot of times those are defenses that are coming up. Those are things that happen in past relationships. They're not real. I say sometimes. Um, sometimes you need to get past those things and work things out in your relationship, and then those things sort of fall away. There's not as much that's upsetting. You don't want to argue. You don't feel resentful. You don't get angry. These things start to go down as your trust in the relationship goes up, as yeah. you do this work. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's an ongoing process, and it is a process of clearing and getting you to your default state of love. Yeah, that's beautiful. And we find that, um, well, we're always open to more stuff coming up. That's another thing. But we find that we have less and less coming up because we can clear things in the moment. But I think we're both really willing for more love to bring up more unlike itself so that we can just continue to be closer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a thing in meditation sometimes when I'm teaching people about meditation. Some people don't want to meditate because thoughts keep coming up. I let them know, well, that's kind of the, <laughs> that's the what happens. <laughs> yeah, so they come up, that's training you to deal with those and let them go by. Unless they come up, you can't learn to meditate more. Unless you start making the mistakes, you can't become more successful. Yeah. So things coming up for us, we realized at some point, well, as these things come up for us, because we talk about them, they're gone. Yeah. They're they, not things that keep coming up. Exactly. And if they keep coming up, that's because they're not done yet. Yeah, because we haven't talked about it until it's yeah. done. So I know in previous relationships, things would keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up. And it would seem like such an irritating, horrible thing, like it seemed so wrong. And from my perspective now, being in a relationship that works, I would say those things keep coming up because it's just uh, the universe saying to you, finish this. Here's another opportunity. Finish this. Here's another opportunity. You know, And once you finish it, then you get that clearing again. It's beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about the other um, thing we're doing on Conscious Touch. Okay. Do you want to um, say something about that? Yeah. There is a way of touching and being touched. There is an art to giving and receiving. And a lot of people think, well, yeah, I'm touched and I'm hugged and I hug and I touch. But there is a way of being in the present moment of conscious touch that really takes things to another level. And this has to do with uh, being in the present moment has to do with being embodied. It has to do with intention. And it sounds very complicated, but it's very simple. Should I do a, a simple exercise? Why don't you? It has to do with attention, not only intention, but attention. Yes, attention and intention. Why yes. don't you do just a little... Okay, well, let's, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you put your hand out? I'm going to let you do this yourself. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to have you first take a couple of deep breaths. You guys could do this along with us. Take a couple of deep breaths in your stomach and feel... Your ribs expand as you do that. See if you can feel the breath going down your spine. It doesn't, but you can feel it energetically. As it goes down your spine, see if you can feel what the top of your legs feel like. If there's any tension in the arches of your feet, you can let your shoulders and neck just drop and relax. You feel that tension behind your knees starting to relax. You feel that your front, your chest, you feel your shoulder blades relaxing. You feel those muscles between your shoulder blades 
Just softening a bit and letting your shoulders drop even more. The muscles on the side of your head and the top of your head relaxing as you relax your tongue and gently unhinge your jaw. Another deep breath in. And now slowly, just with your right hand, start to draw a little clockwise circle on your left hand. And see if you can feel what it's like to touch your left hand. Feel that in your fingers. How does it feel to touch your left hand? Touch it like it's someone else's hand. See, see you feel that in your feelings? Isn't that divine? Just that sensation of touching. Let's do that for a second. Stroke your hand however you'd like. Now see if you can feel your left hand being touched. Someone else is stroking your hand. It feels lovely. You That's actually, harder. Yeah. It's harder to receive for a lot of people. That's why we teach a lot about receiving. People don't know how to receive. Feel yourself being touched. Now go back to feeling yourself touching. Feel your fingertips touching your hand. And then feel yourself being touched. Feel your hand being stroked by your right hand. Now see if you can feel yourself touching and being touched at the same time. You feel your hand stroking your hand and you feel your hand being stroked by your hand. Your left hand is being stroked and your right hand is stroking. See if you can concentrate on both of those at the same time. How does that feel a little bit different? I like it. Yeah being pulled into the present moment, being paying attention. Your energy and attention go where your touch is. Pay attention to where you're touching. Okay, we can stop. Pay attention to where and how you are touching someone. What a lot of people do is they will see someone who they think is beautiful. They think about touching that person from the time they meet them. They're very attracted to them. Finally, they get to touch their body. When they do, they start thinking about, oh my God, what should I do? Does that feel good? Am I supposed to do this? Do I touch that person over here? Instead of enjoying the act of touching this person in a loving way, mm. with presence and attention. There's more to it, but that's the basis of conscious touch. Being there and directing your attention and your energy to where you're touching or being touched. There's some ways to feel that and to experience it well, but then as well, but... That's the basic part. It's beautiful. It's um, it's actually G-rated lovemaking skills that are um, that we're going to be teaching that these and a lot of other awareness practices that uh, underpin. You know, tantra is famous for having lots of uh, advanced sexual techniques and so forth, and they're not really going to do anything be more than parlor tricks without this conscious meditative awareness on conscious touch underneath. And if you do learn these basic practices, all lovemaking will be transformed. So I like all of these teachings. You know, I have studied Tantra, Karetsa, Taoism, and different um, energetic work that has to do has to do with sex. And yeah, there was a lot of techniques and a lot of breathing and moving and pulling and things. And um, the way that our practice evolved was really sort of stripping away all of the doing. There's mm. much less doing and just being involved in yeah. it. And that's when we really started to uh, move forward and discover the depth that we've discovered. Yeah, the depth of Tantra. Yeah. So that's what we try to impart to people. You know, there is a little bit of undoing necessary because we're used to doing. So you have to learn not to do so much and to be a little bit more. 
but we are conditioned in such a way that it's tough to just do that right out of the box. There's some exercises, some things you can go through to have yourself be here now a little bit more than usual. Yeah, conventional sexuality is about doing, 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 doing this, doing that and the other. We're not against that. We want to add to that the being quality of sex. Yes, absolutely. So there's de doing and being. There's giving and receiving. There's um, feeling and uh, and relaxing, the yin and the yang. So when that's balanced, then people can blossom into their full sexuality and have the sex life of their dreams. That's incredible when you think about, I think about before how much sort of tension and contraction was involved in lovemaking. Um and, you know, it should be just the opposite. You really should be able to just relax into it. And tr in full trust. Mentally, physically, um, spiritually. Just relax into it. Complete trust for the other person. Full trust without all that stuff between you. Because yeah. that's what a lot of reasons why people aren't making love anymore is because there's so much unsaid stuff. Well, we don't always point out what some people pick up on is that all of the things that we do, we have different workshops and we have different things that we teach people. All of those things are leading up to this experience. Of fully trusting another person when you make love with them. Exactly. Ultimately. Yeah, we're very sex positive. Yes, absolutely. So um, just to kind of recap, should we just kind of say what our main points were? Sure. So people who are trying to improve their relationships out there, people who are trying to find relationships, that's been my path for so many years. I just kept going. I just did not find good relationships. I just thought something was wrong with me. And actually, there were some things that weren't very that needed to grow in me. Also, I found that the system out there is not conducive to finding love. So uh, learning something about that. Then, um, so working on your own issues to find love, uh, it, all, it can all pay off. Then, um, you know, challenging the system, learning how to love in a more loving way. We teach that in tantric dating. Then um, once you're in relationship, learning how to, well, being embodied would be both single and with couples, learning how to clear everything, talk everything through so that the sex energy can be flowing freely instead of uh, disjointed. Working together as a couple. And, you know, there's another side of the coin to this, and that is that you work through your stuff, so to speak, by yourself and with another person to get to this state of ecstasy. But also that journey with another person, your interaction with them. Um, and Tantra itself is another way of working on your stuff. Yeah. The, the process of being present with another person, yeah. of the things that we teach in various workshops are things that will help you work out things, unfinished business from your past, things that are keeping you block and blocked and stuck, right. and keeping you from having the relationship that you can have. Yes, that's great. And also the quality of friendship. Yeah, absolutely. That that is not uh, opposite to romantic love. That is an integral part of the relationship that we're all looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So... What do you think? Is that a wrap? Yeah. So um, watch for us here at Liberate Hollywood. Um, we have workshops individually, workshops and talks individually together. Right? We're here at least once a month. Yeah. Probably more. We now. love it here. We're just going to move in. Yeah. Like a, like a home away from home. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. Um, so and yeah. we'd love to. We just we got this. Um, we created the relationship of our dreams, and we like to help you do the same. We know it's possible for you. It Absolutely. does take some work. It took me a lot of work. 
absolutely took me a lot of work. I got, I got beat up along the way. It was well worth it. But, <laughs> but it was really worth it. It's completely worth it. Everything I did to find a relationship of this quality is worth it. And we would really like to help you find it too. We are That's our mission. We are dedicated to sharing what we have learned with other people to help them. We're both individually and uh, together trying to help people bring more love into their lives. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, like it, subscribe, and share it with your friends. If you want some more amazing resources on your path of liberation, head over to liberateyourself.com and sign up for our mailing list. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Liberate Hollywood, all one word, or Liberate Emporium, all one word. Until next time, liberate yourself. If you're thinking that you want to take that action step, why wait? Book your session right now. Go to liberateyourself.com. Click on either Liberate Hollywood or Liberate Emporium. See our amazing practitioners and who resonates most with you. And then book a session via Skype, phone, or in person. We're here for you, and it's your time to start creating your life.